A story um, broke late last week that it's absolutely horrific. And, and if you're like me, it was, it was jarring. It was startling. Scientists have used ground-penetrating radar to confirm the bodies of at least 215 children, some as young as three years old, have been buried at the site of a former residential school in the B.C. interior, the Kamloops Residential School. 215 children in unmarked graves, not given proper burials. In most cases, their families weren't even notified. Officials barely even recorded their passing in most cases. 215 children in this country. And not that long ago either. That school operated until 1969. It is confirmation of one of the findings in the Truth and Reconciliation report from years ago. Huge numbers of children died in these schools. And it also confirms what a lot of First Nations communities have always known. This is proof of what they have known about in these communities for a very, very long time. Uh... I need some help trying to sort through all of this because, as I said, it's absolutely mind-boggling to me that this took place in our country, um, you know, not all that long ago. As I said, that school operated up until 1996, so we're not talking that long ago. Um, in different capacities, 69 as a residential school, and then it became a, a, a boarding school up until 1996. Um, joining us to talk about this now and give us a little bit of clarity around this is Dr. Crystal Fraser, who is an assistant professor in the Faculty of Native Studies and Faculty of Arts at the University of Alberta. Uh, doctor, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Bud Greensby, good morning. It's great to be here today. Thank you. Um, just as, as somebody who studies Indigenous issues uh, in, in relation to our country, what was your reaction to this finding? Was it as jarring and as startling to you as it was to me? Unfortunately not. Um, I'm, I'm Gwitsia Gwitsian, originally from Inuvik, Northwest Territories, where one of the most notorious or perhaps form is formerly notorious Indian residential schools yeah. in Canada operated Grolier Hall. Um, my mother and grandmother were institutionalized at these schools, and I've now spent about the last 10 years engaged in research on Indian residential schooling in this country. And and so, unfortunately, it, it was not shocking, um, very uh, sad um, and, and heartbreaking, but unfortunately, you know, as... Um, we engage in more research as we work with community, as we start to ask new kinds of questions. These things are, are going to keep happening, unfortunately. Yeah, and Crystal, like you say, um, in the communities affected and in where the survivors are and people who had family in these schools, this is not news to them, right? They've known about this right from the beginning. Exactly. And, and I mean, this is really a concerning thing, um, you know, like accounts of sexual assault and uh, other criminal activities that happened at these schools, at these institutions, um, often Indigenous peoples and communities have been, you know, uh, sounding the alarm for decades now. Yeah. But um, it, it really takes something monumental, something shocking, as you say, um, in order to really get, you know, broader Canadians engaged in residential schooling histories. So the process now, as I understand it, they're working with coroners and they're working with people from museums, if you can believe it, to try and document who these children are. Because in many cases, you know, not only were they not given a proper burial doctor, these deaths weren't even recorded in any meaningful way. 
For sure. And, and, you know, that is definitely something that is unsurprising to me. And, and so, um, I was not a part of this investigation in Kamloops, so I cannot speak to those specific details. However, there, there were many ways that children, um, died while institutionalized. And so we, you know, you have disease, including tuberculosis, smallpox, influenza, starvation, malnutrition. Um, Given the work with farm equipment and industry, there were many accidents, runaways. Um, We have more nefarious activities, such as assault and murder. Um, These schools were also not well-built, not well-maintained, poor ventilation. So we have concerns about fire and about unsanitary conditions but also medical procedures gone wrong. And I'm thinking particularly about forced abortions at these residential schools, Um, broken hearts. And and I mean, Indigenous peoples in this country continue to lose their lives because of residential schools through suicide. And so it'll definitely be very, um, very interesting, but also a, a very important part um, of the story to know the circumstances of how these children died and when. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, we can talk about that in a sec, but first, you mentioned something that I think is really important here. You know, the ongoing impact uh, of these residential schools and suicides, it, it, it has not gone away in, in any way, shape, or form. This discovery last week and, and this news last week and the added attention to it, what does that do for the people who survived and their families and things like that. Is it more trauma? Is it closure? Do we have any idea? I mean, obviously, it's going to be very, very powerful for them, right? You know, it's it's so very difficult, but that's a really important question. And so first, I'm going to say, if, if there is anyone listening, the National Indian Residential Schools line is open, and you can contact them at one 866 925 4419. Excellent. Again, sorry to take up time, no, but I think that's so important. important. Um, one more time, one 925 4419 And I really think that there is a mixed reaction among community. Um, in a way, the work of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, uh, when that started, you know, a decade ago, um, that really initiated a lot of important conversations in community for Indigenous peoples. And I think that the TRC uh, did some great work in, in getting that story out there as a part of our Canadian history. But there are people today Um, intergenerational survivors, perhaps like myself, um, community members who still really grapple with the lived effects of Indian residential schools. Just speaking personally, you know, as I was undertaking this research, but also trying to learn my Indigenous language, there was a lot of feelings of of just anger that Mm -hmm. like, why should I have to work so hard to, to learn something that that I should already know. Um, and so I think that there definitely are people in Indigenous communities who may retreat, they may take care, they may not join these conversations, um, which 100% look after yourself. That's what our number one goal needs to be at the end of the day. On the other hand, you know, now that these stories and accounts and histories are becoming... Um, more prominent, more a part of 
the discourse in this country. Um, I think more Indigenous peoples are finding the strength yeah. to uh, speak nationally. Um, but again, I will say that that is not an easy thing. You know, in, in my career, um, I have literally had death threats about talking about reconciliation, like not, not even, you know, um, a very divisive topic. And, and so I think at the end of the day, we're just all looking to take care of ourselves, but also through this work, uh, also taking care of our ancestors. Yeah. Um, and, you know, speaking of the work in the TRC and, 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 and the reconciliation movement and all that, does this push that forward? I think it really elevates it to a new level for a lot of people. Do you think there'll be added momentum on this work? You know, I sure hope so. Um, I will say that, you know, in 2009, uh, the TRC asked the Harper government for $1.5 million in funding to search for unmarked graves. Uh, that funding ask was um, rejected. And so now we have the TRC 94 calls to action Actions 71 through 76 speak specifically about children who died on March graves and cemeteries. And so um, I encourage, you know, all of your listeners um, to sit down, write your elected representative a letter, um, ask them what they're doing to put forward the 94 calls to action. Because, I, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, not... Not everyone is going to feel comfortable talking about this in public, um, but everyone can, you know, sit down and, and write an email. Um, and so that brings me a lot of hope. Um, but on on the other hand, you know, historian Ian Mosby, um, he, uh, along with Eva Jewell, has kept track of how many of the 94 calls to action government mm-hmm. has accomplished. And, you know, in 2019... Nine of the 94 calls had been achieved. In 2020, we actually went backwards and only oh eight of the 94 calls had been done. And so I think that this is um, a moment for momentum. This is a moment to push the envelope forward, um, but also a moment to just really acknowledge the deep grief and suffering that Indigenous communities are are going through right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's so much work to be done around here. Um, and, you know, in terms of uncovering other mass graves like this, we know there are others. I just read that uh, they've started an exploration at um, a facility in Shubenacadie out in the Maritimes. So this is a coast-to-coast situation. Um, this is certainly not a one-off. There are far more instances likely to be uncovered in Canada very similar to this, right? Absolutely agree. And I mean, one of the things that we do know is that, uh, so for instance, in Alberta, Alberta had 25 Indian residential schools, and each residential school had an official graveyard. Most had an unofficial graveyard. And so when we look locally, um, you know, and and I believe this should be community-driven, that we need to wait for First Nations and other communities to initiate this work on their own timeline. Um, but there are at least 25 graveyards with Indigenous children from residential schools uh, in this province. Um, and, and approximately one-fifth of all Indian residential schools' deaths deaths were in Alberta. And so that puts us at a very minimum, a very conservative number of, of 800 children in Alberta. And so as this work goes forward, um, 
definitely will not be surprising to unfortunately see that number increase. Oh, that's horrific. Um, you know, and a lot of people listening are, are texting me and, and asking a question that certainly came to mind. As they do these explorations and these discoveries, um, will there be accountability? We talk a lot about the government. It was the Roman Catholic Church that mm-hmm. ran these schools, the people who worked in there. Um, are we past the point of any accountability? I mean, some of these deaths were murder, for goodness sake. They were. Um, and, I mean, one of the things that the TRC did, and, and I mean, I'm so grateful for their work. However, they really focused on on the system as a whole, what, what genocide really looks like for Indigenous families across Canada. And while that is a very important question, you know, we learned very little about who, who the administrators were. Who were the missionaries? Yeah. Who were the te- who were the teachers? The care so called you know air quote caregivers, um, and and as you say you know this system uh, formally came to an end in 1996, 25 years ago, and I would bet my bottom dollar that there are still several folks who worked at these institutions who are still with us today. So who are they? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And. Can they be traced back to any of these children? Uh, as I said, it's just it's a shocking situation. Um, doctor, thank you so much for spending some time this morning. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you for making time for this really um, important story. And um, I'm, I'm also a co-author of, of 150 Acts of Reconciliation. If, if any of your listeners are wondering, you know, how can I get involved? How can I learn more about it? Um, 150 Acts of Reconciliation on ActiveHistory.ca. Excellent. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Take care. You too. That's Dr. Crystal Fraser, an assistant professor in the Faculty of Native Studies and the Faculty of Arts at University of Alberta with some very deep personal connections to residential schools uh, in our country. And, you know, just some of the texts. uh, Alan from Morinville says, My brother-in-law, Jim Logan, as an Aboriginal artist, did a series of works around residential schools at one gallery showing he was approached by a patron of the gallery who asked, I went to boarding school as a child. Why is there such a big deal over these schools? Jim's reply... Did your boarding school have a graveyard? It's just, it, it is so hard to wrap your head around. Brian, listening in Calgary, says, Shay, the 215 children tossed into a mass grave and buried like animals is disgusting. There are no words that can be said to make up for this atrocity. All I can think of is to say sorry to those poor people and the families affected. I hug my kids a little harder after hearing about this brutality. It is heartbreaking.